Hello and welcome to Cybercrime Investigations. The Billion Dollar Bank Heist with Jeff White and Glenn Goodman. So, back to the plot. Um, quick reprise then. So, so hackers have broken into Bangladesh Bank. They've managed to find the SWIFT system, which can make money transfers. Bangladesh Bank's got an account in New York that's got a billion dollars in it. Right. And so they've lined up a series of bank transfers that are going to move pretty much the whole billion dollars. And and quite a few, a few of those transactions, quite a lot of that money, um, is winging its way now to the Philippines. Now, the, this is the bit, this is the... This is the absolute best bit of the whole story. I find this fascinating. So if you're going to do a bank job, a bank heist, you want to give yourself the maximum amount of time to get it done, right? Yeah. So you do it on a... Um, with a stopwatch? No, a weekend. <laughs> you do a weekend. <laughs> Why did I think a stopwatch would give me more time? I don't know what I'm talking about. In fairness, when I've done this talk for people, I've said you do it on a... And I left a pause and people have shouted out, Tuesday! Or, you know, like... I, well, I was thinking on a laptop. <laughs> on a surfboard. You do it on a, do it on a computer. <laughs> no, you do it... So to give yourself the maximum amount of time, right. you do it on a... On, on a weekend! Yes, exactly. Yes. yes, thank you for that. Or how about a bank holiday weekend? Well, yes. Yes, yeah. a three-day... No, these guys went two stages better than that. Oh, wow. This is brilliant. Right, okay. So, the working week in Bangladesh runs from Sunday to Thursday. Okay. So the weekend in Bangladesh is Friday, Saturday. Yeah. <clears throat> so the hackers started making the transfers out of Bangladesh Bank at 8.36pm on the Thursday. Right. I know what you're going to say. Philippines weekend is probably Saturday and Sunday, so they gave themselves like an extra day. Better than that. Better than that, right? So 8.36pm Thursday is in Bangladesh. So they know that Friday, Saturday, the bank's going to be minimally staffed, if staffed at all. Yeah. But think about it. Where's the money? The money's in... New York, York, where it's 9.36 a.m. A.m. So they have the whole day, with no one in Bangladesh Bank to spot it, but New York Bank merrily transferring the money. The money. They've then got Friday, Saturday with nobody in Bangladesh Bank. They've got Sunday with nobody in the bank in New York. Right. And guess what Monday the 8th of February 2016 is in Philippines? It's National Stay-at-Home Day. Chinese New Year, bank holiday. Okay. Five days. They gave themselves a five-day bender. It's amazing. All right. We only get those in the UK if a member of the royal family dies or gets married. Like, this was a five-day weekend they gave themselves. Oh, Maximum amount of time. I wish we had those. I know. We wish we had more often, anyway. So this is so this is what happens. So basically, they, they've got the maximum amount of time. Um and what they're trying to do at this stage, they've got hold of the money. They're, they're going to try and launder the money. Right. So it ends up going into, um, of the $951 million they steal, they're trying to steal. Eight. How do you launder $951 yeah. million? And this is, this is the fascinating thing. You can't thing. open up a Chinese laundry and just like yeah. a it, local shop. It's going to take you wash. quite a while, isn't it? <laughs> you know, how much is a car wash? £450. You know, yeah, you, you, oh, you're no. going to move a lot of money through. And for me, actually, weirdly... Increasingly, this is the bit of the story I got interested in. The hacking is, in a way, it wasn't that surprising or sophisticated. A phishing email, some viruses, you know what I mean? It, yeah, I mean, it's the same principle whether you're stealing 10 quid yeah. or a billion quid. Exactly. So it's like, okay, now you've got $951 million, how are you going to wash that? So yeah. $80 million of it goes to the Philippines, and it ends up in four bank accounts right. at a bank called RCBC in the Philippines. Okay. Now, those four accounts have been set up the year previously mm. with fake driver's licenses, and they'd had the minimum deposit, which I think was $500, put into those four accounts. Right. And then they sat dormant 
for about a year <coughs> while the, the hackers were that that's interesting because if you've hacked into Bangladesh Bank, yeah. you've installed your viruses, you then leave it for a year before you actually do the do the heist. What are you doing for a year? That's a really dangerous move because Bangladesh Bank at any point could have discovered that they've been hacked or they might just have randomly replaced their computers, for example. Leaving it for a year is really risky. And for me, the explanation of that is it took them a year to set up the money laundering network. They were in the bank. They knew they could get the money. But it's like, well, once we get the money, how are we going to wash it? And that's what takes the time. That's what took the year. So where was the initial transfer of the money to from New York? Where did it go to? Went to the Philippines. <clears throat> but where in the Philippines? To these £500 to the accounts? To fi- the four, four £500 accounts, yeah. But isn't that, you know, my my <laughs> bank account gets flagged up if I do, if I transfer like 100 quid to a cryptocurrency yes, yes, yeah, trading yeah, yeah. platform. Yeah. They're like, they're on the fo- literally on the phone to me <laughs> yeah. going, what is this suspicious transaction? And I'm like, it's my money. I could do it if I want. I already went through four different kind of OTP type procedures <laughs> to verify that it was me. Codes and yet on your phone, yeah. And yeah. yet they're still phoning me up. Yeah. So how on earth did they get away with something like that without anyone noticing? It's, it's a very, very good question and it's a question that vexed me so much I went to the Philippines to try and get answers to these questions right wow that's some serious vexing well as you know I thought well so actually there is uh, I was gonna say between me and you between me and you and all the people who listen to the podcast <laughs> right there is another reason I went to the Philippines it's a great story but it's an exclusive and it's in the book and is I it can't. a sexual reason no no it's not <laughs> God, your face. <laughs> oh, you've gone red. You can't tell, listeners, but it, he's it, gone red. There is a great story in the Philippines as well as this one. There is another story. But anyway, I went to the Philippines and, and I went to the bank branch where these four accounts were yeah. to sort of just take a look at it and stuff. In front, and I don't know why in the Philippines, in front of all the banks, they have guys with enormous shotguns. Like their shotguns about two metres long. Right. And I just looked and thought, well, that's classic because basically... No amount of shotgun bullets would have stopped this laundering happening through your bank branch. It's the classic kind of old school security of like, oh, we need a man with a big gun. And it's like, no, the hackers are just basically going to ignore that. It's like the Matrix, isn't it? You can't stop that data, the green green letters floating through the air. The (laughs) shotgun is not going to be able to stop those letters. So so the money ends up at this bank. Now, now, clearly, someone somewhere had been waiting for this all to happen. So they knew that $81 million was going to come from this heist. It was going to hit this bank. They'd arguably been involved with setting up... They must have been involved with setting up the accounts. So this this bank wasn't chosen at random. The accounts weren't chosen at random. This had been fixed up in advance. Right. Now, <clears throat> there are still legal proceedings ongoing about all of this. So uh, And there are questions about who was involved and where... Um, because the money, you know, I don't think it's in contention the money washed through the bank. There's no way of denying that. That's a m- matter of public record. The question is, well, how did that end up getting signed off uh, and so on? So this $81 million going into four accounts. Overnight, these guys are multimillionaires. And, and then there's this washing machine effect takes place. So they start transferring money from account to account. One account gets set up. 13 minutes later, it's got $22 million in it. At one stage, they wanted to move some of the money out of the bank in cash. And they discovered the bank didn't have enough cash in the vault to get. The, so they ordered more cash from another bit of the bank. It arrives at the bank. They put it in a cardboard box. It gets loaded into a car and driven away. They transferred some of the money to a company that changes dollars into Filipino pesos and back. And it, some of it went out through that. So there's this washing machine thing starts to happen. I mean, how many people are involved in all of this? It, it, it's, 
we'll come on to who's who's been charged and so on later on. But the idea that this was the work of just one person in the branch it seems that seems crazy, right? You know? um, but the thing is about this: up until now, up until this point, it's still possible to trace the money, just because you can see that it went from New York, and you can see the accounts it went into, and when it's transferred, you see what I mean? You've got a number trail to follow. Yes. So what the hackers are looking for now is is a way of vanishing the money. Uh, completely washing it completely mm. and that's how they hit on the idea of casinos oh casinos casinos which again is like the glamour heist bit of the sort of thing I'm like oh Filipino casinos let's go and have a look at them yeah now the, so there's a, there's a good reason to use casinos in the Philippines at this point yeah at this point in time the Philippines casinos were not regulated by money laundering regulations <laughs> so you could pitch up with tens of billions of dollars. How could they not be part of anti-money laundering efforts? Who knows? Um, the, the, the one explanation I was given was that it was it, the the casino industry in the Philippines is big and profitable and employs a lot of people. You don't really want to put the brakes on that kind of industry. So introducing new regulations around it, you know, was something they were resistant to. That was how it was described to me. Okay. The other explanation, of course, is that, you know, people washing money through casinos and just didn't want to stop. <laughs> That's the other, the other explanation. <laughs> it's not the case now. They have now introduced money laundering regs. But at this time, 2016, you could pitch up with tens of millions of dollars and say, here it is, and they wouldn't have to ask a question about who you were. Oh, 2016. It's like the dark ages. I know, I know, all that time ago. But so the, how did they, I mean... When you say they used casinos, yeah. were they customers or did they take over the running of a casino? Well, this was at the customers, but this was what I couldn't understand. This is one of the reasons I went to the Philippines was, was um, uh, my impression of casinos, right, is you walk in, yeah. you, you've got your hundred quid or whatever, you put that all on. You walk in with your six suitcases <laughs> exactly full of cash. You put it on a number, I don't know, 26 red or whatever, somebody spins a wheel and you lose your money. Yeah. That's my impression of casinos. That's why I don't gamble. I, I don't. As far as I'm concerned, you just look... Inevitably, the customers have to lose money for the casino to make money. I've never understood how people can walk into a casino and not just absorb that central fact, which is more of you are going to lose than are going to win, obviously. Just well, it depends it's a whole game there. you're playing. I mean, yeah, if you're playing roulette, then that's yeah. the likelihood that you'll lose more than you win. Yes. But if you were playing, say, blackjack, mm. and you had some secret system for yes. counting cards that somehow the casino weren't wise to, yes, true, then you true. could come out a winner. Yes. Do you gamble? Are you a gambler? Do you, do you, have you casinoed? I have done in the past, but I'm not I'm not these days. But yeah, I know right. a fair bit about it. I know how these things work. Well, this is, well, this is interesting, because I, I, I knew nothing about them, so I decided I would go and visit these casinos. Now... 80 million arrived in the Philippines. Yeah. 30 million of it went to a casino called the Solaire, which is a huge, gleaming casino. Right. 20 million of it ended up at a place called the Midas Casino, which is less huge and less gleaming, and frankly frightened the pants off me. I walked in, had a quick look around, and walked straight out. The the Solaire is a completely different kettle of fish. Oh, and by the way, if you're following the numbers closely, this is 81 million ends up in the Philippines. 20 million goes... to the Midas, 30 million goes to the Solaire. That leaves 30 million. <laughs> you were follow the numbers as we went along. You're, just, you're looking at me expectantly and I'm just got a blank look on my face. Honestly, after you missed out on the weekend answer, I'm just no longer, I'm no, longer looking, <laughs> no longer looking to you for help. So there's 30 million. That 30 million gets paid in bundles of cash to a Chinese guy who just fucks off with it. He's never heard of again. Literally, the money just goes. It's gone. It's astonishing. So 
So you've now got money in the casinos. I went to the Solaire Casino to have a look around. I, I, I was unprepared for the level of opulence of casinos, I have to say. Um, so just go back a step. Who is this Chinese man who just walked off with $30 million? There are multiple people involved with this. So as you can imagine, this has been investigated from different angles, this particular crime. So this this guy with his $30 million, we we don't have a clue who that person was. They were just part of the operation. Yep. That was their payoff. And off he went with his $30 million. I, I assume he successfully laundered it somehow, or, that, or we would know who he is. That would be the, the allegation. This person has never popped up, has never given testimony, has never been tracked down. We know he's a Chinese national. From the investigations of, of the Filipino uh, uh, authorities, we think it's 30 million he got, and as I say, has just gone, just disappeared. I mean, money just leaks out of this process. So, so when the investigators start looking into it, just jumping forward slightly, they start adding up the numbers of who gets what and where the money goes. Yeah. And there was something like, a, what was it? There was a $17 million discrepancy when they added up the numbers given by some people over here and the numbers given... The money, this is millions and millions of dollars just washing around. So the idea that 30 million of it just disappears is actually quite feasible, <laughs> given given what's going on. Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, we, we do know that 30 million ends up in this casino. And and um, the Solaire, it, it, it's, so, it's so high roller, the Solaire. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. It's the only place in the world... I've been to some shishi places, right, but... The Celeste. You're a stylish guy. I know. The um, obviously, I'm in a tuxedo now, as you as you can see. <laughs> the um, the Celeste is the only place in the world where I've ever. I sat down for a glass of coke, which was all I could afford, and the woman came over and she said, "Would Sir like a little stool for your bag to sit on?" <laughs> <laughs> like you don't. Nobody puts their bags on the floor, sir. Here is bag stool. Exactly. So I had a bag stool. I drank my little can of coke and I listened to a pianist playing Shostakovich or whatever with a bag stool there it was wow. bizarre but this is so I went in I'm like okay I understand we're in a casino I understand there's a lot of money here but given what I know about gambling how as a money launderer do you make sure that you don't lose all the money because there's no point gambling it if you lose it all yeah what they did was they used a thing called junkets which is where you hire it's either a private area or a private room usually a private room and it's just you, just you and your mates go in there. Yeah. And the key thing with this is they give you chips that only work in that room. Okay. So your mates can't just wander off with your money and gamble it somewhere. You, you, you control the environment Okay. Um, in this room. So you basically say to the casino, look, we, we've got 30 million to gamble. We want a private room. I'm going to bring my mates in. Give us chips we can only use in here. And the other thing that's pivotal about this is the game that you play. It's not roulette wheel. You're not going to bet on the roulette wheel, as you said, because you can, you can lose it. Baccarat is the game to play. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you ever play Baccarat? Are you Baccarat? No, I always associate it with the 70s for some reason. I, don't, I didn't even know people still play it. As in the era of the 70s or people in their 70s or both? <laughs> people people who played it in the era of the 70s who are now themselves in their, in their 70s. 70s. Yeah, yeah. It is a bit, it is, well, whenever, I can't help thinking of Burke Baccarat whenever I think about it. The two are, are entwined <laughs> and seem to have a similar demographic of, you know. But the thing about Baccarat is it's, I associate it with Campari. Yes. Oh. And, and Joan Collins. Yeah. And and um, fabrics that have a lot of static in them. You yes. Know, you're wearing <laughs> crackly static fabrics. <laughs> they they played Baccarat. Now, Baccarat, from what I'm told, not a gambling expert, there's two outcomes to bet on. You bet on the banker or you bet on the player. So immediately, it's not like a roulette wheel where you've got loads of options. You've only really got two things to bet on. Yeah. And I am told that if you play over a long period of time, on average... The house will win anywhere between 1% and 10% of the time. Okay. 
So, which obviously the house still makes money, but you will get back, if you're good and if you play over a long period of time, about 90% of what you put in. Oh, that's pretty good. For, for money launder, it's fantastic. Yeah. Usually you lose 30, 40, 50, 60% or something. Yeah. Like so it's a good bet, but it only works if you play over a long period. You can't, if you bet the whole 30 million on the first game, you could lose the whole, do you see what I mean? So you've got to yeah. play. And then you could, they would do side bets. So they you know, they bet on this person, they'd lose, but they'd have a side bet going on here. So they engineered the whole thing. And this took four weeks. Four weeks? Four weeks. Yeah. Gambling away pesos, chain smoking and drinking cognac in the Soleil Casino. I'm wondering whether it would work just as well with roulette, though, because obviously, you know, the... The, 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 the house has an edge in roulette, but it's mm. only an edge. Mm. So you could, if you're betting, say, you know, a million dollars a time. Yes, true. Over time, you would expect to win approximately half the time, or less than half the time, but not much less than half the time. That is true. That is true. Maybe you could, they could have... But anyway, the, their game of choice was Baccarat. Clearly, they felt this was this was the winner. It was a more fun way of spending four weeks, probably, than just doing roulette over and over again. And you get to drink Campari and wear Crimpling. Yeah, and that's you know who would turn their nose up <laughs> exactly. at exactly and hang with the hang out with the international yeah. elite. Yeah, no doubt. I've got I've got an image of people in sun visors. You know those pensioners sun visors that they have in America. <laughs> you know fanny packs that they you know that yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, w- what's interesting about this is obviously like four weeks. You, you would have thought by this stage, Bangladesh Bank would have rumbled that the nine hundred and fifty-one million was no longer in New York. Yes, you would think. Yes, they rumbled it fairly quickly, actually. Um, but the problem is, yes, they could trace the money and they could work out it had gone through New York and around the Philippines. But of course, because the casinos weren't regulated by the money laundering regs, mm. they then had to try and use all sorts of legal mechanisms to try and stop the stuff that was happening at the casinos. And the casinos sort of turned around and saying, look, these are our clients. They, they brought us their money. They're able to use this money so that the legal wheels are moving a lot slower than the casino wheels. Right. And in the end, pretty much the whole lot went I think it was about 15 million they managed to recover that they gave back to Bangladesh Bank. Uh, but that was about all they recovered. Astonishing. I'm just trying to imagine how they felt. Like the, the, the yeah. sinking of stomachs yes. that must have occurred at yeah. that Bank of Bangladesh yeah. when they realised yeah. one of the poorest countries in the world, yeah. they cannot afford to lose a billion dollars. Exactly right. Exactly right. And this is the thing. I mean, I, so... You know, I was looking at... Was it of, covered under the FCA's uh, compensation scheme just, for savers? <laughs> they got 85,000 back, you know. Oh. But no, it's true. I mean, I, you know, one of the things I looked at was what happened in Bangladesh after this. There was a cyclone, for example, in Bangladesh. A, few, yeah. a couple of weeks after the whole thing in the casinos happened, the laundry. That cyclone wiped out, I think it was about $30 million worth of crops right. in Bangladesh. So... You know, the country is basically just lost in a cyclone. The same amount of money that a bunch of gamblers in the Philippines had just frittered away on the tables. It's, it's heartbreaking. And Bangladesh Bangladesh itself, the country felt a sense of, just of shame, I think, of, of, of having been conned out of this money. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, I don't blame them. It's, I, I would say it could happen to anybody, but mm. I assume that, that a lot of developed countries, I'm only assuming, I might be wrong, but I would assume that a lot of developed countries have, have more levels of security, more layers. Yeah, yeah. and actually we'll come on to this later, but <clears throat> the group who did this to, in Bangladesh Bank, there's, a, there's an interesting skew to the banks and the countries that they've targeted, but we'll come on to that later on, because this, of course, wasn't their only sort of bank job. Right. Oh, by the way, a Bangladesh Bank are now suing <laughs> everybody. Pretty much, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, 
there's a lawsuit by Bangladesh Bank, which I think is a lawsuit in New York, and they are they've named forty people on the they've, the bank in the Philippines. They've the, every the, everybody. They're going after everybody. Um, RCBC in uh, the Philippines, which is the bank through which the money was laundered, the four accounts. Yeah. I think at one stage we're countersuing Bangladesh Bank. RCBC like say, look, we you know we followed the rules. You know, the, the, this was money. We were the victim effectively of money laundering. We did what we could. I mean, Bangladesh Bank does, obviously objects. I, I, I don't blame Bangladesh Bank. Mm, um, mm. Well, I don't know. I mean, we I don't know the law well enough to know what the outcome of these various uh, lawsuits is going to be. But on the face of it, common sense would <clears> say RCBC should have. Uh, at least flagged up yep. such a ridiculous transfer. And also um, in New York, you mm. would kind of think that there must have been a way that they could at least notice that it wasn't a legit yeah. series of transfers. I don't know. We'll, we'll, come, we'll come on to New York in a second. I mean, certainly in RCBC in the Philippines did actually at one point flag the transactions as suspicious. The okay. flag got overturned and the transactions went through. And one of the things that... Who overturned their flag? Well, yeah. Who overturned my flag? Who overturned? Who let the dogs out? That is one of the things that is being investigated and is one of the legally sort of contentious areas. I mean, look, the, the long and the short of this, the upshot of all of this is, as it stands today, um, there is only one person who's been convicted in this entire thing. And it's a woman called Maria Santos de Guito, who was the manager of the branch of the bank in Manila, in the Philippines, where the money was laundered. She is currently facing... I think it's 56 years in prison and the fine is something like 109 million, which is obviously more money than actually got laundered through. Sounds like she might be a scapegoat, just like one of the lowest people in the pecking order. This is, this is, I mean, certainly she's appealing against the conviction. I have to say, one of the things just to point out about this in passing is she is the only woman involved in all of this. Oh, right. Okay. And it's just, it's one of those things you look at and you think, oh, okay, that's just interesting to note, isn't it? It kind of reminds me of, you know, the classic scene on the rugby pitch where, you know, the little kid gets past the ball and suddenly all the big heavy players just pounce and just... Ta- it, yeah. it did feel a bit like she was the one left holding the ball at the end of it. Um, so anyway, as I say, as far as it sounds at the moment, she's convicted, she's appealing the conviction. Oh, by the way, the other thing is the Philippine Senate investigated all of this. Yeah. Long investigation. They got everybody in. People testified. All this crazy stuff came out. They did a huge report. Um which has never been published because because the Philippine Senate um, changed. They have a term. The Senate term runs a certain number of years. Yeah. And they had a changeover of Senates. And the report was submitted, I think it was one hour after the Senate changed to the new Senate. What uh, an unfortunate coincidence. <laughs> I, I mean, if you had to pick a jurisdiction that struggled with this kind of stuff, I mean, it, it really was uh, just absolutely astonishing. Hey, now just uh, we've got to tie some figures up. So, so because I've been running a slight trick as we've gone along, it was nine hundred and fifty-one million dollars was stolen from the New York Fed, right? That yeah. was the total. Eighty-one million dollars ends up in the Philippines. Yeah, that leaves um, um, uh, uh, um, something like eight hundred and seventy, eight seventy right. million. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so the question is, what happened to the other eight hundred seventy million? Well, the answer is, it didn't go through. It didn't go through. The transactions got stopped. Well, all of that got stopped? Yeah. So they actually really failed? Well, they got 81 million. I don't really call that a failure, but they didn't get the billion dollars they went on. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So all the other transactions got stopped. Yeah. Right. And that's because, that's because 
Of that 950 million, 20 million was going to go to Sri Lanka. Right. So one of the escape routes, one of the laundering routes that they set up was a charity in Sri Lanka. Hmm. Run by a woman called Shalika Pereira. This is the Pereira Foundation. Um, or the Shalika Foundation. It's one bit of her name is the foundation. Anyway, she is doing philanthropic projects in Sri Lanka. Mm. She's working with a Japanese fixer who's okay. fixing her up with Japanese donors. They come across, they give money, it gets invested in Sri Lanka. The Japanese fixer says to her one day, you know that dairy project we've been trying to get off the ground? We've got 20 million for it. We've got 20 million of funding. So Shalika thinks, oh, great, you know, 20 million money coming in, brilliant. The next thing you know, the money is winging its way from the hacked Bangladesh bank account to Sri Lanka. And it's oh. marked as coming from a Japanese investor. Right. Now... What I find interesting about this is the hackers in Bangladesh Bank, they've clearly lined up a transaction disguised as a Japanese investment. Over here, you've got Sri Lanka, where a Japanese fixer is telling this charity you're going to get some Japanese investment. Mm. Somewhere behind the scenes, those people are linked, aren't they? Somehow, the hackers are working with the people who are speaking to the Sri Lankan charity. Right. This is the thing. This is what I find fascinating. What obsesses me is there's this network of people who, who once you've hacked into a bank and you're setting up your laundering, there's a network of people to help. They're all connected. And you can see the connections. Because you've got one end of the telescope, Sri Lanka, and you can see the other end of the telescope, Bangladesh. And between the two of them, there's got to be some link. Hmm. Anyway, so the money goes to Sri Lanka. It gets as far as the Pan-Asia Bank in Sri Lanka. And somebody spots a spelling mistake. Oh, right. First, firstly, they're like, 20 million is a lot of money to go to this charity. And they're like, oh, let's flag this transaction up. And like, mm, they spelled the word foundation wrong. They spelled it as foundation. Okay. So, the so what? Tra transaction gets flagged back to New York Bank, to the Fed in New York. And what, just because somebody <coughs> spelled foundation? Wrong? Yeah. It's a suspicious amount of money. It's 20 million going to Sri Lanka. Well, I suppose. Foundation <laughs> spelt wrong. It's enough to flag it up, at which point... The bank in New York thinks, oh, fuck, I'm paraphrasing, maybe they didn't think that, anyway. They start <laughs> declining the transactions. So of those 36 transactions, I think 35 of, uh, 30, uh, two of them get declined. So the four went through to the Philippines, the 81 million, but the rest of them get declined. So, as you say, a moment of relief for Bangladesh Bank. But they've still lost quite a lot of money. So how much money did that spelling mistake save them, effectively? Um, effectively saved them the other 87, 870 million. Wow. Yeah, so they got away. Basically, it was a spelling mistake that led... And that's the thing, in a heist movie, there's always a mistake that unravels the whole gang, you know. And it was that spelling mistake that, that cost the hackers effectively $870 million. So it was the lot, the lack of that O. Yeah. You know what? For the I'm sake gonna, of I'm going to give this idea for free to the people who make the movie, whether that's you or someone else, yep. about the Bangladesh heist. Uh, the movie should be just called O, o. in inverted <laughs> commas. Or... The story of O, oh. which confuses it with the classic 1970s porn flick, <laughs> thereby bringing in a whole new demographic to the cinema. I've never heard of the story <laughs> of the song, God. That's a rabbit hole down which I don't think we should disappear. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up later. So there's a question you haven't asked about all of this that I'm intrigued that you haven't asked already, which is, of course, we know some hackers broke in, we know yeah. they stole some money, but yeah. who? Oh, well, I just assumed it was uh, some... Random people. That's why I didn't ask, I suppose. Because I knew I wasn't going to know them personally. 
Uh, well, you've got the Chinese man who went off with 30 million, which yeah. is actually remarkable in itself, considering mm. how, I mean, sure, if there was uh, a billion dollars being being stolen, then you'd go, okay, yeah, he can have 30 million of it. Mm-hmm. But considering how little, relatively speaking, they got away with, yeah. uh, he, he just walked off with He's got a lot of it, chunk. just which, the one guy. You're assuming there that he just kept that 30 million on his own. Oh, I suppose, yeah, he probably it could had have a gang. Been, yes. Exactly. Probably had a hoodlums and uh, exactly and uh, sidekicks. Exactly, <laughs> but who's the the who is behind it all? Which I think, yeah. Next episode. Oh. In the next episode, the North Korean connection. Just how did a country that's apparently so technologically isolated create what U.S. investigators say is one of the world's most effective hacking forces? And perhaps more importantly, how much money has the country made as a result? 